We are super excited to announce that we are now partnering with Routine Baseball. Routine Baseball offers the best athletic leisure options going. We're talking shirts, hoodies, shorts, sunglasses, and any baseball style you could ask for. Perfect for all your events and activities this summer. You headed to a game, throw on a nice routine tee and a hat. How about a cookout? Throw on some routine shorts and sunglasses. You'll be super comfortable, no sweat, perfect fit. I just got fitted in my routine stuff, and it's all I want to wear, and it's all I will be wearing this summer. And you can too. All you have to do is go to routine.com backslash backside ground ball and check out all the different options they have. And you can receive 10% off your offer today. Again, all you got to do is go to routine.com backslash backside ground ball and get 10% off your order today. Powered by Riverside. Welcome back to episode 103 of the Backside Ground Balls podcast. Super excited to be back here on the pod. My name is Trevor Powers, and I am joined by my co-host, Dan Galati, as well as back from vacation, producer Phoebe is back with us. Dan, how are we doing today? Doing well. Excited for the pod. You you sound stressed. Stressed? <laughs> Definitely not stressed. <laughs> Sunday scaries hit hard. Uh, just you can just admit it. Um, but we are uh, we're gonna have a little fun today. Our tribute to our original episode that we ever recorded in Backside Ground Balls Volume Two History. Let's make a deal. Dan and I are gonna negotiate some deals for some players. We're gonna take uh, take the hats of some ownership groups or management groups, I should say, and and try to move some some players. So that's gonna be a lot of fun, and we're definitely looking forward to that conversation. But first, there were a couple trades across Major League Baseball uh, starting on Saturday. No, Friday, right? Friday, Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly were traded to the Dodgers for Nick Nestrini, Jordan Leisure, and Trace Thompson. And for anybody who's listening to this right now and did exactly what Dan and I just did before we clicked record, how many times has Trace Thompson been with the White Sox and the Dodgers, you might ask yourself? Well, he started his career with the White Sox, then went to the Dodgers, then in the middle there, after a stop in Oakland, he was back with the White Sox. Then he went Chicago, San Diego, back to the Dodgers, and now he's back with the White Sox. So a little bit of a recycled White Sox there and, and Dodger that the White Sox are taking back. Um, obviously, he had a great year with the Dodgers last year, and he's regressed a little bit. But Nick Nestrini is a good get for the White Sox. I really like what they've done outside of um, you know getting taken on Trace Thompson's contract. But being able to get a high high floor, high ceiling prospect like Nestrini, that's a huge get for them, and I really like what the White Sox have done and, and obviously being able to offload Lance Lynn, who has a 6.5 ERA and, and Joe Kelly hasn't been much better. It's It's got to be a pretty good deal for the White Sox. What are your thoughts, Dan? Yeah, I, I think that of the teams that we've seen at least take the position of seller so far, I think the, the White Sox and the Mets have done a really good job um, moving their pieces. And, um, you know, don't be surprised if Lance Lynn cuts his ERA in half. Easy, yeah. I, I think so. And and not because of anything that they're going to do. Um, I think it's just a guy who misses bats. Sure. He's got, he's gotten barreled up a lot this year, but we've seen guys have success. I mean, Garrett Cole's been, been working with missing bats and, and getting barreled a lot for the last couple of years. And Nestrini's already penciled in as their number four prospect, which, I mean, if you're talking, I mean, I know the Dodgers have a, a wealth of arms and they probably don't need Nestrini as much as the White Sox need Nestrini. Um, but you're talking about a guy with a 65 grade fastball, banger curveball, 55 grade banger slider, 60 grade he has four pitches that grade out at above plus and then you're you're talking about obviously getting the control under him 
uh, would be nice, but he's pitching to a 4.03 with 85 strikeouts and 73 innings coming off a year last year where he had 169 strikeouts in 116 innings. So credit to the White Sox and, and management group for being aggressive here. You're talking about now they've added two, four, and, and six in their top 10 prospects, according to MLB.com, which is which is a huge transition from a farm system that outside of Colson Montgomery was not very, very good, very deep, or, or really any talent through the through the minor league ranks there. Um, and then as we transition into Saturday, uh, the news came out that Max Scherzer had waived his no trade clause to go to Texas. So the Rangers, and this was a one for one deal for Luis Angel Acuna. And if you recognize the last name Acuna, that is because it is Ronald Acuna's brother and being the big bro that he is, he said that his brother was more polished than he was at this time. And as a talented Mets fans, don't get your hopes up. He's just being a nice older brother. Ronald Acuna was a top prospect in baseball at this point in time. So, uh, Acuna is a good player, uh, high contact speed guy. Uh, I think he has 40 stolen bases multiple times in the minor leagues. He's a little bit smaller and, and not as twitchy as Ronald is or was at that time. So you're not going to see the power production, but overall good prospect, uh, being able to get it back and, and, you know, send the money that Steve Cohen, uh, flaunts and being able to pay down 22.3 million, um, and being able to get Scherzer to opt in the next year was obviously a big deal for the Rangers, but the Mets sent a lot of money and they, the Mets sent a lot of money and the Rangers returned the favor with sending a pretty solid prospect back. Yeah. Look, so far we've seen, um, Billy Epler, I think do a really good job with the Mets. Um, I think that what you've seen them trade and so far as a, a 38 year old rental reliever, uh, a 40 year old disgruntled starting pitcher uh, with a lot of money left on his contract. And he's got three lottery tickets, um, three guys who are all tooled up three guys who, you know, if you hit on one of those three, the Mets are in a good spot. And, and um, I'm excited to see what other moves they make um, by Tuesday. But right now I really like the position the Mets are in and good for the Rangers for going all in. Yeah, I like to see the Rangers going all in, obviously, but you're talking about the Mets and adding their number two and number seven prospect already for uh, a team that was a little short on prospects. You know, they just graduated the Alvarez, the Beatties, uh, and the Ventoses of the world. So being able to add guys as talented as that is obviously a huge deal to replenish the farm. And and you're right, being able to get guys that were on expiring contracts. Now, I read it today, nobody's going to outbid the Mets for Shohei Otani this offseason. That's just a fact. If they want to go get him and Steve Cohen wants to pay, be the highest bidder, there's nobody who's going to be able to match that because Max Scherzer was on the books for next year for $43.3 million. Uh, so being able to offload that money and, and delegate it in a different direction into a Shohei Otani is obviously going to be a huge deal for Steve Cohen and, and the Mets this offseason and being able to build that contender in 2024. And also heading to Texas, we had Jordan Montgomery, who's on the move for the second straight trade deadline, and Chris Stratton for Thomas Sajizi, Takoa Roby, and John King. So Dan, what are your thoughts there? Monty obviously had a good transition since he's been with Texas or since he's been with St. Louis. Do you think that it's going to translate over now that he's with Texas? Yeah, you know, and, and again, I think last year, this is probably even an easier transition for Montgomery because he's not going to be the, the biggest name that, that's heading into that clubhouse. Obviously, Scherzer is. I don't think the Rangers are still done to this point. You know, you've seen, obviously, um, DeGrom was out for the year, so they needed a frontline guy to get Scherzer. Uh, Nate Evaldi, who's having a terrific year, goes on the IL today, so they needed an innings eater. That's what Monty does. Um and then Stratton continued to beef up the bullpen. They'd already gone out a month ago and beat everyone to the punch and gotten a role as Chapman. Look, the Rangers aren't messing around, and, and I really like it. And, and for the, the Cardinals, they needed they need lottery tickets on pitchers. Like, they just need – they need to trade anything they can to get lottery ticket pitchers because their pitching is so depleted in that system and in that, on that major league roster um, outside of really Tink Hentz. So I, I think this is another good trade for both sides, and, and – um, I, I like what, what both teams have done here to kind of set themselves up, you know, Cardinals for the future and Rangers for right now to go try and knock off the Astros is kind of the, the AL, you know, dynasty. 
Yeah. I like what the, the Rangers have done specifically. I mean, being able to get these moves done, obviously Acuna is a top prospect uh, across baseball. Um, he's a well-regarded name in the community, but you're holding on at least so far to Evan Carter and you're being able to bring in the name of the ilk of Max Scherzer, who even if he might not be the 32-year-old Max Scherzer who was winning Cy Youngs and, and dominating and looking like he was taking a no-hitter into the sixth or seventh every game, he's still a veteran presence that's going to help a team that has not had the opportunity to chase the playoffs uh, very much recently and it's just adding him into the mix and then being able to hold on to you know the Brock Porters of the world the Evan Carters of the world you'll take a one for one deal in that scenario obviously if you're the Mets you want to get the best prospect available and we can kind of go into this more in more detail on Tuesday night when the clouds unfold on the trade deadline Uh, one of the biggest mistakes I think organizations make in a scenario area like the Mets is try to get a four for one uh, with a couple, you know, 20 to 30 prospects mixed in with like a top 15 or no, just go one for one, get the best guy you can get. You can draft 20 to 30 guys. You can find them in international signings, get the best prospect you can get, get the best athlete available and put them in your farm system and hope he develops. And that's exactly what they're intending to do with Acuna. And obviously he has the bloodlines of an MVP candidate year in and year out. So you can hang your hat on that. And last but not least, since Jordan Romano went on the IL, the Blue Jays got aggressive. They add Jordan Hicks and his 103 mile per hour sinker for Sem Reverse and Adam Kloffenstein. Uh, Sem Reverse is obviously has one of the sickest names I've ever heard. Um, and Adam Kloffenstein, Kloffenstein, he was a he was a hot name for a little bit there um, with the Blue Jays. He hasn't exactly been what people were pegging him as of a couple years ago, but still a high ceiling return for the Cardinals, like you said, who need high ceiling arms worse than bad. Yeah, and great job by the Blue Jays for reacting quickly. Um, sometimes what drives me nuts is these teams who are, you know, solidified contenders in injury like this, and they try and they get they try and get cute with it. And instead, Romano goes on the IL. Romano's an All Star closer for them this year. That's a big loss. Two weeks, whatever it is, go get the best reliever known on the market, and that's Jordan Hicks. Now, whether or not the Padres and and um, decide to trade Josh Hader, then Hicks is probably the second best closer on the market. But, you know, you 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 trade Jordan Hicks if you're the Cardinals because he's on an expiring deal and you don't need a closer in the position you're in right now. Again, you need lottery ticket starting pitchers to boost that farm system and, and kind of start to turn it over on the mound. And and look, the Blue Jays, really, this was a great move by them. Go get Jordan Hicks was having the best year of his career. Everybody knows the stuff. It's absolutely insane. He's touched 105. Yeah, he's injury prone. But if you get two healthy months in a playoff stretch of Jordan Hicks and then you get Romano back, like now the, the Blue Jays have just bolstered the back end of that bullpen. They can shorten the rotation and maybe send one of the starters out to the pen in the playoffs. I kind of like what the Blue Jays did here because, you know, that wild card race in the American both leagues really is going to come right down to the last day of the season, it looks like. Yeah, definitely. I think that obviously with the with the AL East being what it is, you got to be aggressive and you can't you can't just let even four days like you can't even get through a weekend anymore with the AL East and and try to punt on, you know, oh, well, we'll wait till Tuesday and get our closer. You got to go now and and being able to get that guy to to kind of be that formidable back end of the bullpen guy right away is is huge. And it's good to see them be aggressive. And on the opposite side of that, I mean, you mentioned a couple of times there about the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals needing, you know, just arms on arms and arms. You're talking about being able to add Takoa Roby, who pencils in as their number four prospect, Sam Reverse, who's going to pencil in at six, Thomas Sajizi, who's going to be at eight, and obviously he's an infielder, but being able to add in the top 10 of your prospects. And then Kloffenstein, who, as I mentioned a couple years back in 2019, was really highly regarded. Coming out of COVID was not very good, still showed the ability to miss bats, but he's had a three point two four ERA this year with one hundred and five strikeouts in eighty nine innings. So a guy who's a little bit older there, but if he's starting to regain that form from twenty nineteen, and you know we've seen this with the Cardinals, they can pull arms out of nowhere a lot of times. Now you're starting to get where your development can put them in a position to be successful and obviously have potential down the road, which is obviously a huge get for them uh, being able to add in. And that's just in two trades. We'll see if they can even be more aggressive and and maybe go get one of those guys like 
uh, go trade one of those guys like Nolan Arenado or Paul Goldschmidt, which I know they say they're going to hold on to him, but maybe one of those teams like the Dodgers or Yankees will get aggressive and, and desperate and throw some some big name prospects at them. But Dan, we want to get into the let's make a deal. We're 15 minutes in. Uh, we had conversations before of if we could do anything quick. I think we did that about as quick as we could without getting into too much detail. But before we get into our Let's Make a Deal segment, we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors at SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a mobile ticketing app that allows users to buy and sell tickets to sports games, concerts, and other live events. SeatGeek would like to give our listeners $20 off their first purchase. That's right, $20 off their first purchase. I know a good friend of the podcast, Matt Trait, used his backside ground ball promo code today, Al Chavez Ravine. Shout out. Hope you're enjoying that Reds-Dodgers game. Uh, all you have to do is head over to SeatGeek.com, use our promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL. That's SeatGeek.com and promo code backside ground ball to get $20 off your first purchase. So Dan, for most of our listeners, they probably don't remember this segment. There was probably only a, a handful of them that tuned in for that episode, but to kick off the volume two of the backside ground balls, we thought it would be a good idea where we put together trade offers. We both sit in GM's chairs uh, and we try to negotiate and we try to put together our best foot forward. Obviously, the big name on the market last year was Juan Soto, which is where our conversation was centered. But we're going to be able to put the hats on a couple of different teams and, and try to improve the playoff possibilities. Uh, some mostly buyers here. Uh, obviously, one of us is going to have to sit in the seller chair. So, um, Anything else our listeners should know before we get into this? No. Um, this is obviously stuff that, that we think would be smart moves, um, but we're not actually GM, so be nice on the feedback. And uh, are you going first or am I? I'll go first. I'll take first draw. We'll, we'll draw, draw my name out of a hat. Uh, and I'm putting on the – the most uncomfortable hat in the game of baseball, Brian Cashman. He's been there since 1996. He's won multiple World Series, and it will never be good enough for that self, self-absorbed self fan base. Uh, so we're going to be aggressive here. Uh, we want to stay under the luxury tax, but sometimes the right deal is going to push us over the Cohen tax because we feel like it's going to be the best thing for the wealth of our organization, for the, for the health of our organization. And we're going to go get Juan Soto. I'm picking up the phone. I'm calling. I'm making sure we're in the right time zone. I'm calling AJ Preller, um, and I'm interested in Juan Soto. So, Dan, obviously, as AJ Preller, are you interested in moving Juan Soto? I know you guys just swept the Texas Rangers, but what can we do to get Juan Soto off your hands? We're willing to listen. What are you? Uh, what are you drawing up for us? So you know how my fan base is, AJ. You know it's it's a tough life that that I live, uh, making a lot of money, living in living in the Bronx. So I'm tired of waiting on these names that we've been sitting on for a couple years. I want to start this package with Jason Dominguez and Oswald Peraza. Does that at least intrigue you? Are we heading in the right direction? Yeah, I think that's that gets that gets a little bit of it 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 moving now. Um, you know, Dominguez being being the top prospect in that system and being a guy that, like you said, we've been hearing about Jason Dominguez since he was 17 years old, and obviously he was one of the he's been one of the Yankees' top guys with Peraza and Volpe for a few years now. Um, I think, you know, not thrilled with with what Peraza showed um, in a short blip. So we would probably need uh, a little more to sweeten the pot, especially because this isn't a rental Juan Soto. This is one of the best guys in the league. This is a guy that we want to keep, but you're going to get him for a year and two months. This isn't a rental that we can go sign back in the offseason. We plan on contending next year. And as of right now, Juan Soto's in the middle of those plans. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, and I don't blame you for being for thinking of it that way. And and that's why with these other two guys that we're interested in moving, I'm not saying it's set in stone, but my thoughts were if we could throw in Clayton Beater, uh, who thankfully the Dodgers sent us for Joey Gallo because they have a billion different guys out there. He's been absolutely dominant for us. We thought he had a ton of reliever risk. Uh, he's come out. He's been great this year. He's punched out 101 in 83 innings to a 3-4-4 across two levels. 
And I think this will be the kickers being able to get a fourth guy back that's of this caliber, and that's Chase Hampton. He's been absolutely phenomenal for us. He has 125 strikeouts in 86 innings to a 3-5-3. Being able to get those two guys to sprinkle in uh, with Dominguez and Peraza, we were were hoping that that would at least move the needle for you. I know it's, uh, you know, we're we're definitely had some debate here, but we think that Juan Soto could be the difference, not just this year, but but next year as we as we hope to build a championship contender. I think this deal is close. I really do. And um, this would probably make a lot of Yankees fans upset. But I think that Peraza is probably the one that we would that the Padres would want to sweeten a little bit more just for, and, and drop from this deal and get something else just because, look, the two pitching guys, um, obviously we like the the beaters make it. Clayton Beaters makeup. He's 24 years old. We need starting pitching. Uh, my infield's set. I don't need Oswald Peraza. Um, and, you know, I I think Peraza's got a lot of potential, and I still think he can be a very good big leaguer. But if I'm sitting in A.J. Preller's seat, which I am right now, um, look, I got Fernando Tatis for a, a, bunch of, a bunch of years left. I got Manny Machado, who I just re-extended, and I have uh, Hassan Kim as well. Who um, and Xander Bogarts, who I gave ten years to, and I have Hassan Kim, who's showing that he can play at an All Star level. So I think if if the Yankees are trying to pry Soto from the Padres, who I don't think are going to be that willing to sell much if it's not a rental piece, I don't know if if that package with Peraza in it gets it done. What say you? Yeah, I would say like we definitely be considered to throw in. I mean, if you don't want infielders, um, obviously, you know, the age old adage is, is you can take shortstops and move them around the field. But AJ, I'm not going to tell you how to do your job. All right. Um, you know, I've only been doing it since you were, you were still in high school. Um, and you probably attended some Ivy league school, but, uh, you know, we'd be willing to talk on on Everson Pereira. Uh, he's been great for us this year. He's kind of sitting in limbo. We're deep in the outfield. We don't really know if we have a spot for him, but he's been phenomenal in AAA for this year, slugging 558. Uh, he's got uh, 15 home runs this year. So obviously he's a guy that we like a lot. He's kind of had some late helium as of late, but um, you know, we, we, we'd think about it. There's no doubt. I think Juan Soto would be a, a difference maker enough to to make that worth it. That's Cornell University, not some Ivy League school to you uh, that I attended, actually. So uh, I know that that you know you've been around a long time and you look down on us young folks as Brian Cashman. Pereira might be someone that that does it, but I, I, you know, it's tough. I don't think that this deal still would get it done for the Padres for Juan Soto at this time because I really don't see Soto moving unless unless you're absolutely blown away by a deal if. If you're you're AJ Preller, um, I don't I don't know. Yeah, well, um, I'll take the I'll take that. I'll I'll head back to our group. We'll see if we uh if we'd be willing to throw a, a Austin Wells or a Spencer Jones into it. But um, still, we uh we're pretty comfortable where we stand right now. We just felt like we'd be aggressive, and you know, you know, being a Catholic university alum like me, I'm I'm D three and I'm uh, you know full of grit and determination. So uh, we'll uh we'll head out there, and and your turn to uh, put the GM hat on. So who? Whose hat you putting on and, and who are you trying to get? Real quick, before before I go real quick, Austin Wells was the name I was waiting for because I do think that that package, if it include, I know, you know, not just looking at MLB Pipeline 1-2, Dominguez is obviously probably has to be the starter in any conversation if the Yankees were going to pick up that phone and make that call. Austin Wells was would be a guy I think that would really help just because the Padres catching situation I don't think is in, in, in good shape. They're running Gary Sanchez out there a lot. The farm system needs catching, and I think Wells might actually move that needle a little bit more. I don't know if you want to give me a quick response to that. Just your opinion. Yeah, I'd you don't say have to be Brian be, Cashman. It, yeah, I mean, it'd be tough to uh, to part with him because, I mean, he's their only catching prospect yeah. for the Yankees in their top 30. And again, position value is not that big of a deal, um, especially when it comes to catchers because Austin Wells is a offensive first catcher. So it's not even like he's a guy that you're like, well, you can trust his glove. Like for all we know, he could be DH in in two to three years and, and off behind the plate. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I would be shocked. This would be my take, at least if I was ranking the, the Yankees farm system. And I think internally they'd say the same thing. 
I would I would personally believe they have Austin Wells out of their top five prospects as it stands right now. So I, I think, think if so Austin too. if Austin Wells was the one that wouldn't get it done, like Perriera is probably ahead of him as well as Spencer Jones. Uh, Austin Wells, I would say Chase Hampton's probably already creeped up into their top five as well. Um, so I, I think if Preller was like, give me Austin Wells instead of Peraza and you got a deal, I think that Soto would be a Yankee in, in stat. They'd be like, yeah, well, okay, oh. next. Um, Let's hope that so doesn't it'd be interesting. happen. Yeah, For our I, I would love that. I think it'd be great. Soto would be a great Yankee. All right, um, I'm going to put on, reluctantly here today, I'm going to put on the hat of Dave Dombrowski, who's got a lot of work cut out for him. I'm frustrated sitting in my GM chair. I'm rolling out an everyday lineup that has one guy OPSing over 800, and it's Brandon Marsh, the 24-year-old center fielder I traded a catching prospect for last year, um, and not um, some of these names you might recognize. It's not Kyle Schwarber. It's not Trey Turner, it's not JT Realmuto, it's not Nick Castellanos, uh, it's not Bryce Harper. Um, I pay those guys a lot of money, and none of them are getting the job done. We need offensive help. Good news is, is Bryce can play first base for us now, so we can we can DH Kyle, and that means I can go get an outfielder. He profiles as an outfielder at DH. I don't like defense. If you can look at my roster construction, I don't think it matters. So I'm going to pick up the phone, and I'm going to call Jerry Depoto, and – I am going to ask for one of your rental outfielders. I'm going to ask for Teoscar Hernandez. Um, Teoscar Hernandez is on an inspiring contract. He's struggled this year. Um, you know, he's been a 30-plus homer guy. He only has 16 this year, but he's playing in, in your graveyard of a of a ballpark out there, and we think if we can get him into to Citizens Bank Park and the humidity of August that the ball can travel, a change of scenery might be good for him. Um get him excited back in the thick of a playoff race. So I'm going to ask for Teoscar Hernandez, and I am willing to give up Carlos De La Cruz, who's a tw- our 23-year-old um, power-hitting outfielder who's six foot eight, 210 pounds. He's in double-A right now. He has been mashing baseballs. He's been extremely hot, especially as of late. Um, he's shown potential. And look, we really like this guy. He's, he's, he's cut down on the strikeouts this year for us. He's put the bat on the ball a lot more. Um, we think he can develop into big time juice, but we think in our championship window right now that he is worth it to go out and get a bat like Teoscar Hernandez, who could potentially help jumpstart our lineup. Dave, let me ask you this. You've been in baseball for how long? A million years. Yeah. You're sitting in 67 years old. You've been, you've been in baseball for long enough. How many six, eight outfielders have made it in the big leagues? Not many, but in in today's in today's generation, today's generation, we got guys doing things that we've never seen before. You would ever would have thought you would have seen a six seven center fielder win an MVP award and hit sixty two years ago, would you, Jerry? But it happened last yeah, year. Yeah, well, actually, matter of fact, you were the GM that signed a guy coming over that was going to be a two way player. And we hadn't seen mm-hmm. that in years. You were the one who took that chance. So why not take a chance? I'm taking a guy off your hands who you're not even going to retain after this year. Why not take a chance on a 6-8 outfielder who's shown a ton of juice in the higher levels of the minor leagues? Who's to say we aren't going to retain him the next year? I don't think the Mariners are looking to keep Teoscar Hernandez. <laughs> I, I mean, personally, from from my opinion, as it sits right now, I, we got a guy who in our, our system we believe has been, quite frankly, unlucky this year. He swings and misses a little bit. You know, we'd like for him to work on that. But, you know, you're talking about a guy who uh, batted ball profile is still up there with the with what we invested in. So, I, you know, as, as much as I want to make a playoff push for this team, you know, we don't think he's fallen that far off of what he was in, in Toronto. And, and we're hoping he's going to regain that in the second half and, and potentially stick with the Mariners. So we might need to sweeten the pot up a little bit. I'm, I'm not completely opposed to getting a six foot eight outfielder, even though when, when he's on the shelf with feet and plantar fasciitis <laughs> at 26 and a half years old, I'm going to be picking up the phone and calling you. Um, but we, we're going to need something a little bit more to take that risk with that with that big body dude that you're gonna send us if, if you're calling me when that happens if we get this deal done uh don't be surprised if i've lost your number by then but all right I, I i completely understand i understand why you're you're hesitant a little bit so we'll i'll counter and i'll say if you don't want de la cruz we'll give you another promising outfield prospect in, in gabriel raconis jr who was our third round pick last year out of florida atlantic he's currently in high a 
in, on the Jersey Shore. He enjoys the boardwalks just as much as you and I, Jerry, but I think he would fit really nice in your in your farm system. Look, he's, he's got power potential. We're trying to work on getting him to tap into it. Right now he's showing more of a double swing, but he's a lefty. He can, he can play both corner outfield slots. We really like this kid, and, and we think he would fit in your organization as well. Yeah, I'll tell you. Let me talk with my scouts. You know me. I want to see those guys play. We've been around the block a time or two, but Raconis was a guy we liked when, when you guys drafted him, and, and we'd definitely be interested in, in getting him for, for a guy like Tay Oscar as much as we think he's going to be really good. That you know, That's what, what ties me up here is I really do believe that Tay Oscar is probably in for a solid second half, and he could make a team very happy. And you know, We don't necessarily think we don't have the talent to compete for a playoff spot, so um, you know, we want to be as a, aggressive, but we also want to be smart. We don't want to be giving up pieces and and not getting something that we think is actually going to help us long term. But Bracones can can definitely move the needle a little bit, and and we think that uh we'll be uh in a good position there, and and might be able to get that deal done. But got to talk to the scouts, and I think that's uh pretty close to what we'd be looking for. Wow, we just made a deal. Yeah, seriously. That's because I didn't want to didn't want to tear down Dave Dombrowski anymore and say, "Hey, you want to hand out any big contracts, bud? You got any advice?" <laughs> hand out big contracts for guys who OPS under eight hundred. Any more of those floating <laughs> yeah, around? Dude. Why don't you mind your own business? Tay Oscar's OPSing six ninety nine, and we're only paying him for the rest of this year. You idiot! <laughs> Have fun with Trey Turner for the next ten. <laughs> I'll say Trey Turner contract simmering for you guys. Can't even play the position anymore. He's hitting seventh. You paid a guy 11 years, 300 million to hit seventh in your order. Why don't you leave me alone? We're going to make a run for the playoffs, Dave. Oh, that's a, that's good. That's good. So, uh, Dan, I hope you're comfortable being AJ Preller because I'm, I'm putting on my, oh, my favorite person's hat in the world. Um, and Mike Elias, and I'm picking up the phone, and I'm calling you. And the first thing I'm saying is, is AJ, I know we come from a different ilk of baseball philosophy, right? You're all about the eyes. I'm all about the computers and the models and making sure we have all of our numbers crunched. We really like what Blake Snell's done this year. He's obviously had another great start today. We're sitting in first place right now. We got a lot of young guys that are need innings breaks. We have to move guys around to make sure they're well rested. We're interested in Blake Snell. I know you guys won a couple games this weekend, but what's it to you? You think you'd be interested in moving moving Blake Snell to the AL East again? Listen, I don't even know why I took this call. You're, uh, I went to Cornell University, and I'm not as big of a nerd as you are with all your, your science and your data. The game's played on the field. Um, but I'll listen on, on, on Blake. I'll listen for right now just because uh, if we trade him and he, he walks eight guys a start for you, I'll be laughing. Yeah, well, well, AJ, that's that's kind of my, you know, our ma- our models are coming up a lot of red right now. So, um, but I got I got people in Baltimore that you know the only thing they love more than crabs is is Orioles baseball. So they want to see some playoff baseball uh, out on the harbor. Um, so you know we're gonna do something. Uh, you know, swallow my pride a little bit here. It, it, does DL Hall interest you at all? We have too many, you know, the injury concerns for us with DL Hall. I don't know if DL Hall is someone we would want back. Um, we ne- we do need pitching. I like where your head's at as far as the pitching goes. Um, I think you're close with DL Hall, but is there is there anything else we could squeeze out of you? Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, they they want playoff baseball here, so uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna complain about having to to be a little bit aggressive here. So, how does Dylan Beaver sound? Obviously, we were able to get him as a as a collective bargaining pick in the 2022 draft. A little bit more power over hit, but trust me, all these guys have to do is spend one year in our farm system, and you know they're gonna be good enough for your garbage farm system that you've traded everybody for over the last two years. <laughs> As much as it pains me to say it, Mike, I think you got a deal. And not to break character here, but when you when you first came to me with this deal, two names popped in my head, and you hit both of them within five minutes. So uh, I think that I think that that actually would be a really good deal for both sides here. Look, the Padres need to revamp their their pitching 
we need to revamp our pitching staff here. I'll take the risk on DL Hall and say that he comes back healthy. Um, this was a guy who was one of the top pros- pitching prospects in baseball. He spent the last the majority of the last two years banged up. He's sitting in rookie ball right now, trying to rehab. Um, and Dylan Beavers is a guy that at six four, you know, two oh six, twenty one years old. We mentioned the power potential. I think that's something we can tap into, and um, we like homers out here in, in San Diego. That's fair. That's fair. Models and models in the eyes both like homers. That's that's good to know uh, for future reference for for when we uh, have to link up for trades again. But uh, we're super excited to get Snell. You know he's going to regress back to what his expected numbers are. But you know Orioles fans want to pack the park and and we want Blake Snell in in orange and black. So uh, we're we're willing to take that risk. Perfect. Um... I'm going to slip on Andrew Friedman's cap here of the, oh, the Los Angeles the dream, Dodgers. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm sitting in a good situation and I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to call across the coast and I'm going to, I'm going to call Billy Epler. Okay. And, uh, Billy, look, I know I saw you traded straighted Scherzer. I know things aren't going well for you. Really would appreciate it. If you guys were willing to talk about Justin Verlander and could potentially get him to waive his no trade clause as well, because we have all intentions of winning the West again and winning the World Series, um, and we might we might even be willing to take some of that money off your hands, um, a lot of that money off your hands that that you owe him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I just got off the phone with 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 Daddy Cohen, as they call him in in Queens, and you know, he was saying that if anybody comes calling, that you know, we'd be able, we'd be willing to sprinkle in some money if if we can get him off the books for next year. Um, so we don't don't even worry about you throwing money our way. We will we'll uh, we'll sprinkle in some of that contract and and make sure that it's good to go. But that you know what that means, right? What's that? We're gonna want best prospect you can get a give us, so uh, just keep that in mind. Well, I'm gonna I want to start this conversation with Josue De Paula. He's an outfielder. He's from New York originally, then moved back to the Dominican Republic. He's actually got a couple cousins who are New York icons. One of them being Stefan Mulberry, who uh, was a, a New York longtime New York Nick. The people loved him. Um, he's an 18 year old. He's another, I see you guys like playing the lottery. You've taken three lottery tickets so far, um, this, this year. And since you, you're losing a lot of pitching and your starting pitching needs some help, we'll even be willing to throw in Ronin cop. Who's a 21 uh, year old left-hander. And in our system, look, he's shown us a lot since we, we, we picked him up. He's six foot seven. He's long, he's heavy. Um, and we think he would fit nicely uh, into, into that, that prospect pool you got right now. I know you need some arms. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you're definitely, you're definitely intriguing me with that name. You'd be shocked to learn. Actually, you probably wouldn't be shocked to learn, but Josue is actually our number one prospect in your farm system in our mind. So that definitely moves the needle a lot. You know, Verlander has been great for us recently. Uh, you know, I mean, to, to be the veteran presence that he is and and uh, being able to get as many outs as he has this year. But uh, we're going to need a little bit better second piece to move the needle. I mean, like I said, Joe Sway is getting the job done. We're definitely interested in him. We think he's he's the best prospect that you guys got. But that second piece is going to have to be a little bit better for us. Um, and obviously, we trust your development, but sometimes you got to get a little bit more and, and got to please the ownership as well since we're throwing some money in. Well, I, I didn't. We'll, we'll also throw in here for you. You know, we would consider throwing in maybe a former first rounder. But how about a guy who we took a, a, a chance on out of Loyola uh, Marymount uh, in in the COVID year, and ever since then he's we really liked him. Um, his his fastball plays up in a guy um, in Nick Frasso. Uh, he's done really nice things for us in Double A so far this year. Would he fit? Yeah, we love guys that throw devastating heaters, so he definitely fits the mold for what we're looking for. We got another deal. Three for our last three? Is that what I'm three hearing? Three for our last three. Yeah. Throwing, Looks I'm, like I'm it. I'm gonna need you to eat twenty five million though on that Berlander contract if we're gonna throw Frasso in there. That's easy. You just got have fun trying to outbid us for Otani next offseason, Andrew. 
Now that you have Verlander on the books for 43 mil, have fun, bud. In all seriousness, that would be probably the biggest thing that would not allow this trade to happen would be both those teams looking forward to throwing money at Otani next in the offseason. Don't you think? Yeah, the Dodgers would probably want a little bit more. Um, if they were going to give up prospect capital, they'd probably want a lot more money off the books there. Um, but they've the Dodgers have done a really nice job of resetting their luxury tax here. So it's pretty – I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. But um, in all seriousness, I do think DePaula is the best prospect in the Dodgers system right now. Um Dalton Rushing's obviously a guy for them, but um, I, I just think DePaula has the highest ceiling. And, and if the if the Mets could seriously get DePaula back, I mean, that would be a huge get for them. Um, and giving, I mean, the Mets are going to want a lot for Verlander. I know Mets fans think they should get a top 10 prospect across baseball, but at the end of the day, I mean, you look at this contract and what they have, it's, it's 43 a year for the next two, including the one that he's playing in right now with a vested option for 35 mil at 42 years old. Like, whew, yeah, it's, impossible. it's almost impossible. It's a, it's an anchor. You're trying to move an anchor. Yeah, for like, a guy yeah, who has missed bats at the worst rate of his whole career. career. Like it's And it's, that's concerning. And his and, walk and, and, rate has doubled. Right. He's not thirty, so it's not like oh he's having no. a down year. It's like you that raises question marks when you're in your forties. Where do you you you're high on DePaulo, which I am as well. Um however, where are you at on, on Maddox Burns and Gavin Stone? Maddox Burns is a guy I I love him actually. Um, he's well. a guy that I've been on for for a couple of years now. Um, the the command is just wonky. I mean, he's he's your typical late um, first round uh, pick for the Dodgers, and a guy that's just gonna you know you worry about the walks. I mean, he had forty five in forty four innings last year, and he has fifty one and sixty seven this year. Um, but he's pitching to a three point one nine. He's he just can dominate. Like his stuff is doesn't get so hit. electric. Like he's yeah. So he's a guy that you just trust. I mean, Bobby Miller was a little bit similar. There was reliever risk there, um, and they've obviously been able to turn him into a top of the rotation arm. And you know, with with any Dodgers upper level minor leaguer i think they're always overvalued a little bit and i probably say the same that kind of is the similar thing about stone i always love a guy that throws a good change up from the right hand side because you know it's going to at least be able to negate lefties and have something that's moving away but you know he's not a guy that like i said i i have those young guys with high ceilings ahead of a guy like stone um, just because I just trust the Dodgers ability to turn a Maddox bronze into a, you know, top to mid rotation arm more than I think they have the ability to mint milk a Gavin stone. Plus there's no need, right? Like think about it right. that way. Like you talk about like the guys that they have behind stone or in front of stone, the Emmett Sheehan's of the world, the Bobby Millers of the world, Walker Bueller coming back, Clayton Kershaw getting healthy. Like the list goes on and on. So where does that leave stone? Probably as trade bait, quite frankly, is what he becomes at that point. And then you're going to watch him go somewhere else and, and just be a, a guy instead of turning yep. into a dude with the Dodgers. I and mean, we saw that with Josiah Gray, who's obviously put, turned in a really good year with the nationals, but it's not exactly a, an exact science that every top one, 100 Dodgers prospect becomes a dude um, inside or outside of that organization. So in my personal rankings, I'm, I'm very aggressive. I would probably put bronze ahead of stone, uh, but that's my personal preference. Again, I mean, I, w- I would rather take the guy that can't throw a strike um, and hope that he figures it out and, and reigns in that command. And cause that's a guy who's probably competing for, for Cy Young's at the top of a rotation. Yeah. I love bronze too. That's about all I got in, in response to that. And Andy Pages has Colin Pluse's number. No offense, Colin. I know it, it's he's a, he's a <laughs> stuff. Come on, man. <laughs> that is like a that is like a running joke. I think Colin has given up his fair share of uh, knocks to Andy Pages, so yeah. he's very high on he's very high on Pages. I mean, t- Pages had twenty six last year, so uh, he can definitely swing it too in their farm system. The Dodgers just do 
such a good job. But Dan, before we get into our last two here, uh, I'd like to take a second to thank our sponsors over with BetterHelp. Maintaining your mental health is important, but finding the right mental health services for you can be difficult. BetterHelp provides an easier way to get professional help. BetterHelp connects you with a therapist custom picked for you and has flexible scheduling all at a more affordable price and from the comfort of your home. BetterHelp would like to give our listeners 10% off their first month. All you have to do is head over to betterhelp.com slash backside ground balls to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash backside ground balls to get 10% off your first month. So Dan, I'm going to put on, um, I'm going to, I'm going to take over your favorite organization and ironically, Guess what position we're looking to add for the Miami Marlins? Second base. We're looking to add a second baseman. You know, we need one more of those. We need a guy to come in that can just truly play second base. You know, those other guys we feel like just kind of can play second base between the, the 46 we have on the roster. And I'm picking up the phone. I'm calling Brian, good friend Brian Cashman. And I'm saying, hey, I know you guys are kind of in a weird limbo position. I know he's controllable. I know he's young. But we love ourselves some second baseman. We want to have – you know what is a market efficiency, Brian? If you have every second baseman in the league, <laughs> nobody else can have a good one. So we're really trying to push the needle on having every second baseman in the league. We're trying to get Brandon Lau. We're trying to get everybody. Would you be interested in trading Glaber Torres? I got to be honest with you, Kim. We're, we are looking to compete. We want to compete. We're the New York Yankees. It's the, it, the temperature's turned up to 85 degrees in, in my office every day because I, I'm sweating. They're putting pressure on me. So you're going to really have to knock my socks off if, uh, if you want me to give up one of our most productive and consistent players not named Aaron Judge in our lineup. Yeah, I mean, of course, and that's why we want him. We're not going to sit here and bash the fact that, uh, you know, he's been absolutely great for you. But the first guy that that we'd be throwing back because you, you mentioned the ability to compete is is the headliner for you guys would be Braxton Garrett. Uh, he's a guy that we've we've really liked, and the and the stuff has translated a little better at the big leagues this year. There's a ton of strikes, only 17 walks and 106 innings this year with 117 strikeouts. Does that name at least intrigue you? We like Braxton. Listen, we feel really good about our starting rotation. Uh, we don't know what's going on with Did Frankie. Did you watch and his the off. game tonight? What are we watching tonight? Did you not just see how many runs Severino gave up? Listen, Kim, you want another second baseman, you're going to have to hear me out. We don't know what's going on with Frankie's arm, so I will, I will listen in on Braxton Garrett. All right. Just, you're just taking the detour just to get to the same spot we needed you to get. Um, so that that throws in the next guy. He's a guy that we really like. Obviously, he had some injuries over the last uh, couple of years, but that's Jake Eater. Uh, he was obviously – he came out of nowhere for us a couple of years back. Um, in 2021, he was dominant. He's been back this year after getting Tommy John, but he's only thrown 39 innings, so nothing to put too much stock in. Stuff seems to be back. The command not as good as it was in 2021. Uh, but we really believe in that guy's stuff and being able to get you guys two uh, left-handed starters there that that look like they could be impact pieces. Is, is that kind of moving in the right direction here? You know, I'm really struggling to get there because although I, I'm looking to win, Kim, this year, and I like Jake Eater, um, we trust what you guys do with, with your pitching in the minor leagues, um, but I need help, and I need help offensively. But I'll, So I'll tell you this. I'll throw a wrinkle back at you, Kim. If we can get – Maybe Billy Epler on the phone here and start talking about a guy like Tommy Pham to help me every day in left field. My poor managers had to write in 20 different left fielders in the last three years into the starting lineup. I need an everyday guy who can go out there who's having a good year against righties and lefties to be able to play every single day for us. So if we can get Billy on the phone and you can maybe work Tommy Pham into this deal, I think you got yourself a deal and we'll give, we'll give up Glaber Torres. Okay, I don't really know how to count reach out to Billy Epler in this scenario. We don't <laughs> So, uh yeah, I mean sure, that would be interesting to me. Uh I thought you were going to ask for one of my position players, but I was going to say have you looked at our offense? We suck too. Um but 
<laughs> so uh, I was also going to throw in for for just good measure um, was going to be Jose Gerardo. Um, you know us, we hate guys that can hit for any form of power. Um, he's a power <laughs> over hit guy, so that means he, we need to get him out of our farm system immediately. Um, but we, you know, we, we liked him when we signed him, but he started to hit too many homers in BP that we we wanted more ground ground outs to the opposite side of the infield. So we're, we're trying to get rid of him, and I know you guys develop those guys pretty well. Yeah, I don't know. This is a weird one for me. I don't know what it's going to take for 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 the Marlins to well, get. Apparently, Blake, we got to call Billy Epler too. Well, that would make sense to me. They're going to need they need big league offense, and like you said, the Marlins, unless the that I would have to imagine in order for Cashman to move Glaber Torres, they have another deal up their sleeve. Because yeah, I don't I don't think the Marlins can get Glaber in all right. honesty. Like detach from from this. Right. I don't I don't know why the Marlins would even want Glaber. Want another like, second I, base? It's a bit. Yeah, like, she is she is running a bit down there. She has to be. There's other I, positions on the field. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So that that does confuse me a little bit, but Torres ultimately has been way too good for the Yankees over the last really two years. For them to give him um, up. For them to give him up with, you know, the question marks that, you know, does Volpe move to second and are you really entrusting Peraza? Who's the better defender at short um, than Volpe to be? Like, we just saw it with Volpe this year, right? He struggled off the bat. You know, are you going to do that again next year with Peraza and really try to just build a youth movement here and Glaber's not old. He's three more years of control or three playoff pushes of control. It just doesn't make sense no. at all. Like it doesn't. No. And make again, he's sense, been but. outside of Aaron judge. who has been hurt for the last two months. He's been your most consistent and best offensive player. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what the Marlins are after. The Marlins have also cratered here. Um, in the last, but you know, they're since, still being aggressive. The break. I mean, they are still being aggressive. It's just I feel like there's other moves out there. I know she would never, they would never do it because it's a, it's a philosophical thing. But they should be trying to get someone who, you know, they should be picking up the phone and calling about Teoscar Hernandez. They should be. I don't think true. the Marlins are ever going to trade for a rental though. They shouldn't, but they've traded for David Robertson. So, hey, Ma. You're right. I, 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 yeah. I mean, I don't know. Um, all right. I'm gonna throw on the the hat of of uh, Nick Crawl here in the Cincinnati of the Cincinnati Reds. Um, I'm gonna pick up the phone and I'm gonna call Rick Hahn because I see he's having an absolute fire sale in Chicago. He's moved a bunch of pieces. Um, listen, Rick, we didn't think we'd be in this position. Um, we we really like. Uh, you know, where we're at, we like a lot of our young guys, but we feel like our farm system's in a good spot. And I know you don't want to move him, but we think we could maybe get you to start conversations on Dylan Cease. I'm listening. I am go- I'm going to start this conversation. We're going to give you a big ligger. I'm going to give you Jonathan India. Two years ago, he was a rookie of the year. He could come in. He can play infield for you right now. He's got Jerry kick. knows who he is. It's okay. You don't have to explain it. He'll love that. He wants to compete next year. He's, he's got a lot of years of control left. Um, and then, look, we're going to go, and, and we feel like we're really stacked and young on the infield, so we'd also be willing to give you Edwin Arroyo, um, a 19-year-old shortstop in high A for us. Um, and we're also going to give you uh, Connor Phillips to just really make you understand how serious we are about potentially getting this deal done and getting Dylan Cease, giving us a young, controllable starter that can help us not only make a playoff push this year, but the next several years where we expect to be. Hey, I'll tell you what. You take Edwin. We have Edwin as your number one prospect, but as I said, Jerry Reimsdorf, he likes to run things around here like he's a – He's a buffoon. Uh, so take him out, replace him with uh, Encarnacion Strand, and I think we might be able to get a deal done because we need we need guys that are going to replenish the squad for next year um, and and being able to to win right away. If if we're going to move Dylan Cease and being able to add a Encarnacion Strand on top of that would would really help in in picking up the phone and calling Jerry um, and telling him we got rid of Dylan Cease. 
it pains me to say it, but we think that Dylan Cease is that good. We'll get we'll we'll make that swap for you. We'll give you CES, just so you know. That's what we call him around here. So that's what you should call him when he gets to Chicago. Um, and and we'll make ourselves a deal. Yeah, I mean, in all reality, um, the White Sox, like I think. The White Sox would prefer an Encarnacion strand. That's kind of why I went there. Um, and I think the Reds would be happy to move on from him outside of Edwin Aurora uh, because that's a that's a guy that they're very high on and has a, had a phenomenal year. Um, and being able to hold on to Cam Collier, I mean, they are so deep on the infield. Um, I guess the kicker would be, obviously, if the White Sox really intend to um, win next year, uh, which they probably shouldn't, but... Uh, being able to add Connor Phillips is knocking on the door and, and he could be like, it depends on what your scouts say. It depends on what your data says, but I'm not saying he's Dylan Cease, but like, he's a guy who has missed a ton of bats this year. I mean, you're talking about 139 strikeouts in 87 innings. Um, if he could come up and be a mid rotation armor impact harm right away, he's been really good in triple a since making the move. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they would actually be aggressive on that. I think they'd have to get more guarantee from pitcher and maybe more high ceiling from a position player like India. Plus, um, like there is nobody in this system that would be that, but like, if you could have a guy who is more closer to the big leagues, like more just higher floor kind of like pencil them into your rotation next year for the white Sox. I think, I think it could get a deal done, but I, I would be very shocked if they moved Dylan Cease. but I like the fit with Cease with the reds. Don't you think it's, do you think that there would be any holdup for Cincinnati on, on Encarnacion strand just because they need someone to replace Votto and, and, and or do you think they believe they're going to get enough power out of Benson, De La Cruz and McLean? No, I, I don't think there would be a holdup. I think, History tells you that um, not to not to like those up the middle guys are the ones that are like like for a Dylan Cease. No, I don't see them balking at a Encarnacion Strand just because they worry about who's going to play first. I think because you can find value on the edges of first base and corner specific prospects and find that power. I mean, the Reds know as as good as anybody, Artides uh, Aquino was a guy who came in and flashed in the pan power guy. And depending on what you view Strand as in terms of, I mean, his minor league numbers are absolutely bonker. You're talking about a 300, 400, 600 uh, slug guy with 56 home runs and um, what looks like 211 games, so a little over almost a year and a quarter. Um, it looks like a full season ball. So, like you're talking about a 40 home run guy pace in minor league baseball. But I'd be hard pressed to imagine that with the other guys they have, the Martes, the Aurora, Cam Collier, um, the guys that they possess, and they love their high ceiling guys. That's what the Reds do. Um, that's how they ended up with with uh, Will Benson. Um, is being able to get those high ceiling guys that they wouldn't trust the fact that they could find their next next high ceiling guy on top of on top of him if they did have to move on from Encarnacion Strand. Well, and I just think if you if you add Cease to that, they obviously are so high on Hunter Green, and they're so and and I I'm high on on Lodolo, and I think they are too. If those guys come back healthy, and then you're rolling Cease, Lodolo, and, and Green out and there, and Abbott, and Abbott. I mean, like that. That's a Do they really Reds need team, a Cease. This Reds team, I think so for this year, and but and then moving yeah. forward, you would have them. I mean, I think you you're never not going to have yeah, enough starting pitching. Um, especially when they're all young like that, those other guys where you you know you don't they're going to be exceeding innings limits like we've talked about before. So I just man, they would be if they were to be able to pull something like that off, how legit they would be not only this year for the rest of this year. They just took over first place again this weekend, but this year and 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 beyond. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so. Before we get out of here, Dan, call your shot. Who's the biggest name that gets moved the rest of the deadline here? Oh, I didn't have any time to. Uh, we kind of just talked about a lot of names. Verlander is probably, in my mind, the biggest name. I don't think the Padres are going to sell. The Cubs are now not going to like The Cubs coming out and saying they're not moving Bellinger, who's a rental, is bonkers to me because I know you're hot right now, Cubs, but 
like this is honestly one of those times where an or where a team gets hot and it, it hurts the organization. Um, as weird as that is to say, because to me, it's like I still don't see. I, I don't think the Cubs are going to get into the playoffs. Even if they do, I think they have so many holes that they're not going to make enough noise. Why wouldn't you go? Bellinger would be one of the the, the most valuable players moved at this deadline. You'd get a haul for him. Why you wouldn't make? The, if you love him, that's great. You could bring him back in the off season and get something for him for these last two months. I think just because you know they're twelve and four here in July. Um, or since the all-star break, whatever it is, which is great and all, and it's fun. And I'm glad, you know, their fans are probably happy, but to keep Bellinger just seems like, and I th- they're probably going to keep Stroman too. So I, I just think that's so dumb. So I think Verlander ends up being the biggest name that hasn't moved yet that gets moved. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the standings right now. You give me the Cubs at three and a half out from a wild card with the Padres chasing them at five out taking the Padres with a game and a half behind any day of the week. And, and they just came off a series, a, a sweep of the Texas Rangers, which was obviously a huge one uh, for the Padres and you get the Padres rolling. Yeah. I don't know. It's a seller's market. I mean, you look at the halls that the, the Cardinals got two days before the deadline, being able to add those names. I mean, I'd be hard pressed if a you know maybe one of these fringe teams. I mean, even a Verlander. Like, let's say the Dodgers push all the way to Tuesday, and they just don't like what they're getting. Like, who knows? Maybe they do call up and for Verlander and say like, Dalton Rushing's yours or Diego Cartaya's yours, and you know they have Alvarez, but that's you know we saw it with the Giants, and we've also seen it with the Braves. Like, you never have enough catching depth talented catching depth like that's never a problem and then throw in a a high name um starting pitching there too or even a dylan sees like who's to say the the white Sox have done such a good job with the prospects they've gotten back you know some of these teams that are looking to buy and and they just want to get aggressive you know again if the dodgers come calling i know they're easy to use but off top of your head it's it's so easy to think about the prospects they could move or even the orioles come calling to the white Sox and say hey we really want dylan sees we think we got a shot this year we think we got a shot next year you know what's it going to take and and they start throwing around names like heston kerstad and kobe mayo and you know on the dodger side dalton rushing and stuff like that so i would say that one of those two names i think could get moved i'd put the chances at 45 percent more than 50 I think it's less than 50% chance that they do get moved, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of these big name teams do get desperate the closer we get to the trade deadline. And I think you see it with the reports that are coming out from a lot of the media is it's a seller's market. It's a seller's market. It's a seller's market. Um, I think that's being pushed by the sellers um, to get like, oh, you see it with the Mets, right? Oh, the Mets are only going to trade Verlander if a team gets desperate. I think that's being pushed by the Mets because they know it's such a seller's deadline. So they're making these teams almost have the perception that they're not going to move it. So come more aggressive and maybe they can get a prospect that they weren't thinking that they could get. Um, but I think if, if Cohen does want to win in 2024, he's got to hold on to Verlander anyway because that rotation outside of those two that they just let walk, now they've let DeGrom, Scherzer, and Verlander all leave the organization in the last eight months and that's not exactly a contender for 2024 to me so what though like so what i mean kode Senga looks good they have the money you said it no one's gonna outbid them for shohei he'll you know they call it the cohen tax for a reason who says he doesn't go throw a bunch of money at stroman snell nola giolito stroman will never be a met but Oh, that's right. Because of what happened before. Sorry, I forgot. Okay, so Giolito, Nola, like you know what I mean. And and that two minutes you were just talking just made me more and more angry talking about how it's a seller's market that the Cubs now are not going to sell. Such yeah, a, but just even a then, rash decision. It's just, but again, it could be just getting in with your beat writers and saying, "Hey, that's true." Push the fact that we're not selling so that teams get more aggressive. The prices. Like yeah. yeah, like it's going to drive the price up if teams think they have to give. I mean, again, if I'm the Cubs and I'm sitting there and one of these teams that needs a left-handed bat, like if the Yankees start throwing around some of those names that we talked about, any of them, one of them, Chase Hampton, and and for Bellinger, I'm going to be like, "Yeah, I'm listening." You know and Cody, saying? we're like, going to offer you 7 years in the offseason to come back. Yeah, I don't understand why team. That's a conversation for after the deadline, but why teams don't have that conversation more of like, hey, we like tampering. You. No, it can't be. 
because he's like, on it's, roster. It's a right? conversation, right? Yeah, it's negotiations. It's they're on they're your property at that point in time. Is like, hey, Cody, we love you. We think you'd be a great fit for our future. Go win a title. Go compete for a title. Go grind. We'll we'll give you. A, we'll be interested in the offseason. Strowman did it from a press conference. He said, "I love and, Chicago. And think- I hope if they move me, that they're still interested in me in the offseason." You just like that's a layup. Like, hey, Stro, go pitch for this team and come back in Chicago if you like it so much. And think about what the Yankees pulled off in sixteen. Yeah, the ch- with Chapman. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, I don't know. Like, I don't understand that conversation doesn't get have. It was the Bryce. I I remember getting frustrated because the Nats, you know, ownership didn't want to move Bryce Harper, and it was like, why? If you trust him that much, like why can't he go play for another organization for three for months? For two months. And then if you offer him a number they can't turn down, they will be back. Like the only reason they lost him was not because they didn't, you know, want to pay it was the number, right? The Phillies right. pushed that number to three thirty, the longer years. That's the only reason they lost him. It's not because he had hard ill feelings about no. the learners and the, the Nats. Like it's so it's weird. It, it is something that I don't understand. I, I I would love to talk with somebody who had better knowledge of of why and, and maybe find that out. But uh, any closing thoughts before we get out of here? I know we just had a had a pretty long closing thought from the both of us there. We went an hour and four minutes and didn't mention the Astros, and that that was pretty sick. That was awesome. Yeah. Well. They've made a mistake letting James Click go. Let's just put it that way. I've been reading. There's somebody on my Twitter feed yeah, that, not, that puts a lot of content Dana, out there. Dana Brown. Um, yeah, Dana Brown's not doing a great job there. Uh, just not making smart moves, basically, at the end of the day. And we're all um, tired thank of you, to, you guys anyway. So yeah. go away. <laughs> thank you to our listeners for tuning in as that will conclude our episode for today. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on all podcast platforms, including Apple Pods, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcast. We post episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, always hitting your feed at 7 a.m. sharp. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BacksideGB, Instagram at BacksideGroundBalls, and TikTok at BacksideGroundBall. And most importantly, make sure you're sharing with five friends, and we'll see you next time on the Backside Ground Balls podcast.